What is up, Level Up Nation, and welcome to the February 8th edition of OTN's Level Up Live, your home for the hottest takes in gaming news. My name is Fiasco, and I am joined, as always, by the king of the courtside, the courtside king. You can call him Joe. What's up, buddy? John, it has been a week on the old Twitter and socials and all that stuff for gaming news, it feels like. Uh, at Monday, it felt like Xbox was burning down. Then things kind of leveled out, and now a lot of people are just not really sure quite what's happening with the brand moving forward. I personally think there's going to be some more positives that come out next week, um, but it's all speculation for now as we don't really quite know. Uh, with that being said, we'll definitely be going over that topic tonight as well as plenty of other good news in gaming as well. Yeah, Joe, I, I feel like if, if Xbox was to burn down, um, I would have to take some responsibility for that considering I just switched <laughs> over to the Xbox ecosystem a couple years ago. Um, so, so I'm gonna take a little blame on that. You know, if it was, it could have been my fault. Who knows? Who knows? But nation, uh, yeah, you could have followed all the drama as it unfolded throughout the week. If you're following the show on Twitter, X, Facebook, Instagram threads, whatever the heck we have for social media going forward, follow on X and Facebook and aka Twitter, uh, OTN media. That's the handle. If you're on threads and Instagram, it's OTN underscore media. And while you are on Twitter slash X slash thread slash Instagram slash everything else, follow Joey at Courtside King, myself at Fiasco. And uh, you can get the latest hot takes and our hot opinions when the news breaks. And then we'll dive deep into that on the show every Thursday for you as well. Speaking of the show nation, while the live show on Twitch is the place to be, we do offer the show in the podcast form. Just check out the Level Up podcast available on your podcatcher of choice, and we are there for you. Extra credit, as always, earn Joey's eternal love and gratitude by using your Amazon Twitch Prime super mega duper sub that everyone has or your parents have. Just hack their account. I didn't say that. Uh, use it on OTN Media, and Joey will send you a sticker Oh, with a kiss on it. Just like that, an OTN sticker with a kiss. All right, Joey, you teased a little bit what we're talking about here today. Obviously, there's some Xbox drama. Uh, any other things you want to hit on before we start it off? Yeah, guys, I mean, once again, unfortunately, not a ton of Nintendo news. It feels like Nintendo is like the... Um, I don't know, that long-lost ant that just shows up every couple months and's like, hey, what's going on? I got all this going on. Hey, can I she stay for a night? She always asks for money, too. <laughs> always asks for money. Yeah, and Nintendo does the same thing, right? These full-price games. So, I mean, unfortunately, guys, not a ton of Nintendo news. I do think we'll get a direct. I thought it was going to be this week. It looks like it might be pushed to next week, uh, as well as some other stuff in March as well. But unfortunately for now, it's still a little bit dry. On the Sony side of things, we do have a new game out there with Helldivers 2. We have some news of a new update coming to Spider-Man 2. And we did just get another state of play. This one much smaller than their one last week. This one fully focused on Final Fantasy. Over to the Xbox side of things, we got a new look at Halo the Series Season 2, new Game Pass editions, and of course, all that drama in Xbox land, which will definitely be a major topic on today's show. As John and I break down what we've heard, as well as the future outlook moving forward, and again, a lot of this being speculation on our side. 
Uh, we do have some PC news, uh, just a little update on what Epic Games is giving you guys for free next week, and then some multi-plat gaming news from quarterly earnings reports, down to Disney investing in Epic Games, and possibly an Epic partnership there moving forward with Disney IP. Disgusting. Uh, Mickey Mouse is going to be murdering people in Fortnite. Who would have guessed? <laughs> All right, Joey, we have oh God, our <laughs> topics. We have... Woo boy. Um, we cannot dive into this show without talking about our drink of choice, sir. Hopefully you're feeling better, you're looking better, you're sounding better, so hopefully fingers crossed here. What is your beverage of choice for this, our 330th episode? Wow, what a number. Uh, I am drinking a sparkling water tonight from LaCroix, black raspberry naturally essenced. LaCroix. LaCroix. I know, LaCroix. I was going to do bourbon, but I really need to sleep well tonight, and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to take it as natural as I can and see what happens. I'm sorry, bourbon doesn't make you sleepy? So I have the opposite effect. Uh, I don't know why. Coffee wakes me up and alcohol make, or I'm sorry, alcohol makes me awake. Coffee makes me tired. So I'm not really sure why. But that's how we function around here. <laughs> Sir, I'm pretty sure there is a meeting for you, uh, for people of your Is that but You know, we're not going to dive into that. Joey, <laughs> I... Oh. Uh, Discord is not spelled. Thank enough. you, thank you very much. Uh, in chat, just just <laughs> checking. Uh, so, Joey, uh, what I am drinking, I discovered at my favorite, turned least favorite, turned recently closed bar in Fairfax. Uh, thank you, Capital Ale House, for shutting your doors because your service was absolute dog water. Um, but it did introduce me to uh, Cobbler Mountain, which mm. is a Virginia cider company. Uh, they're currently in the middle of a rebrand to Cobbler Mountain. The original called the Apple House, but this is the Apple Donut Hard Cider Ooh. from Cobbler Mountain. Joey, this is quite possibly right next to their Snickerdoodle is the best cider I've ever had in my life. Wow, it's incredible. It's Old just, thoughts. Mm. No, it's it's so damn good. It is so good. I will have to have you drink one, sir. Yeah, I need to try one. I really um, like there's a place out by UVA, too, that's really good. It's almost like a, it's like apple cider, but it's like champagne almost. Like it's a super dry version. I really like it. Oh, I'm going to crush this whole four-pack. Do it. All right, Jerry. No, not on the stream, sir. Remember what happened last time I got drunk? We endorsed some politician from, uh, from Europe. We don't want to do that. Uh, all right. Uh, that was like episode like 74. Uh, so, anywho... <laughs> Nation, we have our drinks, we have our topics. It is time to get into it. But first, before we get into it, today's episode, as always, is presented by GamerBytes Bite Size Gaming News, delivered weekly directly to your inbox. Sign up today, otnmedia.org slash GB sign up. Joey, great newsletters, good articles, as always. Let's kick to this week's episode of Level Up Live Off. We're heading straight over to Sony Ponies. You up first. Okay, guys, let's talk PlayStation. We're going to get the lighter stuff out of the way and then dive into that state of play. Kicking things off, Marvel's Spider-Man 2 swung onto the scene in October, continued to do pretty well, great sales out of the gate, and they've continued to provide new content updates. Unfortunately, some stuff like New Game Plus was delayed a little bit. First delayed into January, then delayed a little bit further. It looks like it's finally set to land officially in March. We're looking at March 7th for the exact date. And it will be coming with New Game Plus, New Suits, and more. Uh, Insomniac not quite giving all of their Easter eggs and goodies away, uh, giving a little bit of a teaser there with the and more. Now, that could just mean bug fixes. It could mean something a little bit more exciting. We'll just have to wait a little bit closer to March till we get a trailer on that front. 
John, I mean, Spider-Man 2, you played the original Spider-Man game. Uh, Spider-Man games from PlayStation and Marvel have been really good so far. Um, I'm expecting a pretty cool New Game Plus mode. Now, with that being said, New Game Plus has been very cookie-cutter in the past, and I think you really heralded praise on it with Starfield, did a really good job kind of changing up that model a little bit. I'm wondering if we see Insomniac take some of that feedback and maybe add something a little bit different than what we've seen in some other New Game Pluses in the past. Yeah, I mean, why not? And the great thing with Spider-Man 2 is you can easily play into the multiverse also. Like, you can have small changes every time you go into New Game Plus, kind of like what we saw with Starfield. I really do think Starfield did a great job with New Game Plus. Uh, you know, I don't know. Am I, am I allowed to spoil a little bit of this now, or is, has Starfield been out Yeah, long I enough? feel like it's been out. Earmuffs, guys, if you don't want to hear right. it for the next minute or so. But, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So, like, you know, every time you'd go through the Unity at the end of the game, you got a better... Uh, Starborn suit. You got a better Starborn ship. Um, and, and and that was the whole thing. Like, the stats on the ship would keep going up. The ship itself wouldn't change how it looked, but your armor changed how it looked. And, and when you got all the way up to New Game 10, the armor was incredible. Really, I think New Game 9's armor looks the best, in, in my personal opinion. But, you know, that's the thing. is like, you're able to, one, go through all your temples again and, and re-up your powers and get the second level, the third level, the fourth level, the fifth level of that power. And you can essentially, if you do everything, not just collect the artifacts and speed and, you know, without doing the full storyline again, you just speed run the artifacts and you speed run the temples. You're looking at another two, three hours, maybe max to do a new game plus run. If you're maxing out your powers and then you just go through the big battle at the end, uh, which is incredible. They did a fantastic job with that. And then the last time you play through, uh, you choose to fight uh, both of the Starborn and you take their guns and you don't go through the unity. And now you have the best armor, the best ship and the best weapons in the game. Simple as that. You have all the powers that go along with it. Uh, that causes replayability for Star uh, Starfield. I, I absolutely loved how Bethesda did. I think I think that was a very, very good way. And I would love to see other games adopt some sort of mechanism like the Starfield New Game Plus series, um, or or Endgame, I should say, uh, going forward, I think is a very very smart way to do it. And it's just so different. I feel like every other game, it's like okay, you can keep your stats, you can keep maybe your armor. Typically, it's stats, and then some of them will add on that armor, some will add on weapons, some will add on pets or creatures, depending on the game. Um, but overall, yeah, I really feel like Starfield changed the game up in that sense. They gave more meaning to actually doing the New Game Plus. As opposed to a lot of these other ones that are just like, yeah, dive in and just crush everyone around you because you have the best weapons in the game and the best armor in the game. Maybe you even can do a higher difficulty just because you have all this beefed up equipment. And it just, it felt very cookie cutter game to game to game. So I am curious. Insomniac is a very, uh, I would say, creative studio. Uh, they've been known for kind of pushing different boundaries, trying new things. And we just saw Bethesda do this with New Game Plus. I'm curious if we do see something and maybe that's where the delays are coming in on the Spider-Man 2 New Game Plus as well. And I will say this, too, real quick. Bethesda deserves a lot of credit for this. The fight at the Sunken Temple at the end of Starfield is quite possibly one of the most satisfying fights Ooh. or series of fights, I should say, I have played in a very, very long time. Yes, it's, it's technically the same, but every time you go through a new game, they get harder. The, the levels on the opponents get higher. They're not as dumb as they were the first time when you went through it's a very very satisfying four-part fight that 
takes time to get through and takes a lot of thought. Like I actually am very impressed with that new game series and that last fight uh, in the Sunken Temple. There you have it, guys. So if you haven't tried out Starfield's new game plus, dive in there and give it a try, possibly on other consoles in the future as well. We'll have to wait to next week to find out on that front. Next up on the PlayStation side, Arrowhead Game Studios, the maker of Helldivers 2, has published an update on the game's frequent crashes and matchmaking issues, stating that they are continuing to make improvements and patches. Uh, I know John is going to have a lot to say on this in the live service genre of games in general. We'll keep it somewhat brief, hopefully, John. Wink, wink, because we do have a lot to get through tonight. <laughs> um, but overall, I feel like Helldivers 2 has landed pretty well. It's unfortunate that some people are having these issues with matchmaking, issues with crashing. We've seen this with a number of games, especially launching on PC recently. Um, Halo Infinite a few years ago. Star Wars Jedi Survivor was terrible on PC at launch. Um, I, I don't know why it's the case. I, I mean, to some degree, right, PC is very hard to develop for in the sense that there are so many different graphics processors out there that they have to kind of optimize for all of these different ones at once. And I can see how that could be difficult from a development side. Again, not a developer, just assuming and kind of understanding many different pieces of hardware versus one or two pieces of hardware. Just kind of makes sense that it'd be a little bit more difficult. Uh, with that being said, people that got into the game that have actually dove into Helldivers uh, have had a lot of fun if they've not run into these issues. So hopefully things will stabilize here in the very near future. And for now, I will pass it over to John to talk about his thoughts on live service once again, especially for our newer listeners. So I, I thought we were going to wait till Skull and Bones before I really started trashing. Oh, I mean, we uh, can wait a little bit if you want to, but if you want to give us a light so, teaser here. Teaser. Little, little teaser. Um, this is just another example in the growing list of examples of lazy game developers that have gotten used to the gamer community accepting broken games on launch paying full price um again we as a gamer community have i mean look it, it, it's and again it's part of living in the internet the the internet era if you will um you can push out content patches and sometimes content patches are really just bugs being fixed and that's seems to be the case over the past five six seven years our content patches in most games, not all, but most games, tend to be, oh, let's fix the broken game we put out, but we're going to masquerade it as a content patch that unlocks features that were already in the game, but were broken. Um, so that's a little you know thing here, like in this case with Helldivers 2. Uh, game crashes, matchmaking issues, uh, things that were launched in the game, but the game doesn't work, so what are they going to do? Now they're pushing out a patch after the consumer already paid full retail price for it. And we'll get into that again with Skull and Bones because that even takes another nasty turn when it comes to pricing and all the delays it had and what that's asking of the gaming community. So that's just a little teaser of my Skull and Bones rant that is impending. Uh, it's going to be uh, – pardon me, Skull and Bones. That is my shot across the bow before I go for the booty – at the bottom of the ship of Skull and Bones, if the ship was to load in that broken game. Ahoy, mateys! What a teaser there. Uh, we will definitely dive more into those live service thoughts. And that sounded so, so, so sarcastic, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I mean, we're going with the pirate theme, right? I had to throw up my flag and make some kind of noise. Uh, with that being said, let's slide over to the state of play. Again, we got the big one with 15-plus games last week. PlayStation graced us once again with the presence of a state of play this week giving us Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, 
Yes, I did have to pause there to think through the Roman numeral system. Uh, we did get a little <laughs> bit of a look here. We got some new gameplay. I think it ended up being somewhere between 10 and 15 minutes of gameplay. Uh, on top of that, I believe there was a beta dropping. Yes, the Rebirth demo is out. So if you guys want to give that a try, the demo is available as of a couple days ago. And then again, if you guys want to check out some new gameplay as well, the state of play featured all gameplay for Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Um, John, I mean, the game looks great. I think they did a good job updating different things, and we've seen some really good remakes over these last couple years. Now, again, we have our thoughts on if remakes should be included in award shows, but outside of that, I feel like a lot of them have done a good job, whether it's updating graphics, bringing in new story elements, maybe changing up gameplay elements that didn't work as well in the original now cleaning them up and re-releasing them in these new versions. Um, I am not the biggest Final Fantasy fan for those new listeners out here. I'm sure some of the older ones know. Um, I think there are a lot of Final Fantasy games, maybe too many. Uh, we're up to like 16-something, plus all these side break-off ones as well. Uh, it just feels like there's a lot of Final Fantasy to dive into. Now, with that being said, of all the options out there, I do think Final Fantasy VII Rebirth looks like one of the more attractive ones at the moment. Um, some really cool mechanics in there, utilizing the new DualSense controller for PlayStation. On top of that, you're bringing back some classic characters that people have loved throughout the franchise for many years now. So I think there are a lot of big draws to this game. Again, not a day one purchase for me personally, mainly because I avoid Final Fantasy to some degree just because they're very long games and there's so many of them. Um, but overall, I think this game looked great, John, and I think the gameplay looked very clean from the showcase here. <laughs> I love it. I, was like, I actively stay away from this game. It's just, it's so it's just too long. Much. And there's too damn many. <laughs> it just is. Like, I mean, JRPGs in general are so freaking long. And then you have Final Fantasy, and it's like, not only am I long, but I am one of 16, not to mention all the side quest games. It's just like, okay, I'll just dedicate my whole lifetime to playing Final Fantasy. Uh, it's just, there's a lot to this series. Definitely a lot. <laughs> <laughs> are you going to be diving into Final it's... Fantasy Rebirth, John, when this one eventually hits PC? What are your thoughts over there? No, absolutely not. I got other games to play. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> right, see, making fun of me and feeling the exact same way. Uh, yeah, but I, I, I didn't I didn't explain it like you did. I know. Where it was like, hur, hur, this game looks great, but I'm not going to play this. There's too many of them damn Final Fantasy games. I ain't got time to, to play all okay, of them. Okay, I like that the voice you're using for me is also the voice you used to imitate your boss at times. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. It 100% is. You're, you're right. John, I don't understand. How, how, how do I share how do I share my screen on, on Microsoft Teams again? It's like, how did I turn so Western all of a sudden? Because um, <laughs> my boss is even Western. <laughs> it works really well. It adds a nice little flair to everything, I feel like. Oh, my God. Uh, okay, with that being said, I think we can slide our way out of PlayStation. We spent a lot of time on PlayStation last week. Uh, and this week, we have plenty of Xbox drama to talk about. So that will be the majority here shortly. But first... We did get our next round of Game Pass editions announced for early February. Taking a quick look at those, we have a little to the left, Bloodstained, I can't even read what's under that in the text, but Ritual of the Night. Ritual of the Night. Played up, guys. I have played up on Steam. It is phenomenal. Highly recommend. Really, really fun co-op experience. John, just to give you a heads up, you'll want to download that one because we will be diving into that. Uh, Resident no, we Evil won't. 3. No, 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 no. I'm interrupting you, sir. You have promised me so much game time. Oh, don't even with And you me. have this ghosted mutual. me. So <laughs> I do not want to hear about I need to download a game because we're going to be playing co-op. Sir, I will believe it 
When I see it, sir. Okay, for the record, I'm still waiting to finish our Nobody Saves the World game. Literally, nobody is going to save the world because we have never continued that game, for the record. Joey, it's because the world is not uh, ready to be saved. Oh, okay, excuse me. What was I thinking? Uh, A little bit later on that one, maybe we'll give it a try. But yes, I think I will encourage you to pull out your chef's hat and play some Played Up with me, but we'll see what happens. Uh, Resident Evil 3, we have returned to grace Train, SimWorld 4, and Madden 24 also making its way here right ahead of the Super Bowl this upcoming weekend. Uh, so some nice indies so overall. We, we, we can't say that. Why can we not say that? Because you have to say the big game. The big game, excuse me. Yes. Uh, the Taylor Swift concert, right? Is that what we're calling it nowadays? Um, <laughs> I think it looks pretty good. We also got a little bit of MLB The Show shoved in here because that got announced recently and it was outside of a Game Pass announcement. So that one will be coming in March. John wrote a great article on that one as well, otnmedia.org, if you want to check that out. Uh, We have some updates on Sea of Thieves Season 11, also available now. Some new Game Pass perks, including Paramount Plus. Um, And then leaving February 15th, uh, Galactic Civilizations 3 for PC, and then Opus Echo of Starsong for Cloud Console and PC. Both those games leaving. If you want to pick them up and continue, or maybe pick them up because you didn't have a chance to start, you can do so for a 20% discount through February 15th. Good stuff. Good stuff. I'm really excited for Played Up, though, for real. You, have you ever played, like, Overcooked? You, you, I just saw what the next topic is. You would put this in there. Uh, oh. Sorry. <laughs> I was like, what is the next topic? Um, oh, yes, I did. I did. I did. Um, but, yes, Played Up. Get your napkins ready, sir, because we are going to have a good time with that uh, in our little Overcooked life. Um, You're going to have to catch up. <laughs> Uh, 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 uh. I'm gonna go cry now. <laughs> okay, Halo the series season two dropped today, guys. Uh, Halo the series did not do much for John and I last year. I got through the season one. John, I don't think made it past one, one or episode. two episodes. Yep, uh, one episode. not very far. Uh, John was a big fan no. of Quan. That was his favorite character. Um, Who's that? Now, <laughs> I think she was in the first episode. The one girl that he's on the plane with when he takes his helmet off. She has this weird side. I just, I, I just remember the blasphemy that was Master Chief taking his helmet. Yeah, off. not only it did not even last a full episode before the helmet came off. Heartbreaking uh, that it went through what six, seven games without it being taken off, and boom, one episode of a TV series. Mm, sadness. Um, Halo the series season two is dropped. Uh, it is supposedly much better than season one. Now again, as John was saying. The bar is very low for much better than season one. It could have been ground level, if you yeah, will. yeah. It was it was bad. It was it looked worse than Reach per se in the Halo universe. Yeah. Uh, it was not not too pretty. Uh, but we do have some nice critic scores coming out so far. Ninety two percent from Ooh. critics, eighty five percent from the audience. Uh, I haven't looked at how many reviews are in recently, but I think critics were around fifteen and audience was around fifty last I looked. Oh, oh no! Here you go, Joe. I will have the stats here. Fifteen reviews. For the pros, given a 93. The audience score now down to a 77, dropping faster than uh, Master Chief's helmet in episode one of season uh, one. No, his drawers. With just over 100 <laughs> ratings so far. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know, Joey. It's it's tanking a little bit. This is so much better than I expected. Um, I was expecting <laughs> the critic score to be around a 60. 
And I was expecting the audience <laughs> score to be around a 30. So we are more than double both of my scores just about. We're, we're, we're trending um, in that direction, though. Your notes say 85. We're down to 77, sir. That's almost a 10% drop it already. It is. That is definitely a drop. <laughs> we will see what happens. I'm really surprised the critic score went up again. Um, but, yes, we will see. the first. I think they dropped the first two episodes. Now, the one thing I will say, I watched a deep dive because I'm a Halo fan, and I was like, okay, I'll give this another episode or another two to try or so. Um, the cinematography of this is really cool in certain senses. Um, I don't know how to describe it without giving it away, but some of the stuff they did in the initial deep dive, I think they use like the fog of war mechanic and idea really, really well in some of the cinematography. So it is a new showrunner. It's a new writer. Uh, it's a new musician, I believe, for some of the stuff as well. They brought over the guy who does some of the God of War music. Um, Bear is his name. I, I do think overall it's going to be better. But again, as John said, the bar was very low at the beginning. So I have higher expectations for cinematography, higher expectations for music. The thing that scares me, and I have very low expectations for, is the writing. Uh, the writing was terrible in season one. And again, I know it's not fully lore-based. It is a silver timeline off to the side. Um, but the writing did a, I would say, a disservice to Halo, even being in a separate timeline. I'm hoping that writing got better this time around. But even then, I've heard that they did carry some of the season one storylines, which if I were them, I would have nuked them or maybe had Master Chief start this one coming out of a cryo tank and say, I don't even remember what happened. Whatever they wanted to do, just retcon it all at the beginning, personally. Um, but here we are, season two. So if you guys want to check those out, the first two episodes available on Paramount Plus, And there's a perk to pick up Paramount Plus on Xbox Game Pass as well. Joey, I'm just going to say this. What are you going to say? The promo poster for season two. His helmet is off. On one is of Master Chief yeah. with his helmet off. It is. And this is why I will be canceling my Paramount <laughs> Plus subscription. is <laughs> because of this damn poster. The other ones were really creative. They spelled Halo, like H-A-L-O, and they did it in four different posters. But yes, that... Oh, I was about to say, is there any other, is there another way of spelling Halo than no, H? No, no, no. It was just really cool. Like, they spelled the H. It was someone, like, carrying someone on, like, a gurney. It was just interesting. It was more creative than I expected from this show. Um, but, yes, when your marketing revolves around the main character taking their helmet off in a series where he is known for not taking his helmet off, there is definitely still some sort of major disconnect there. Uh, and I think they're still going to have to work through those. But... I think the CGI is going to be improved and the fight scenes are going to be improved overall with that cinematography. We'll see if it's enough to carry the show based on the trending audience score. Uh, it seems like it's a passing grade, but not super well as of yet. I mean, look, in high school, I was fine with the 77. Oh, my gosh. I thought that was great. College, I wasn't, you know, 77s are bad. But in high school, my guy sees get degrees. So are we comparing <laughs> Paramount Plus to high school or college, though? I, I mean, I don't know. Paramount Plus also has the Galazzo show uh, where the question was asked when uh, the possibility of Korea versus Japan in the Asian Cup came up. Uh, they asked, is Korea versus Japan, is there any kind of cultural, historical significance to that matchup? Yikes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I think Paramount Plus might need some help. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, you guys yeah. can stay tuned for our yeah. history podcast on that one, otnmedia.org. Uh, next, yeah, I'll be more than happy to <laughs> let people know. <laughs> yeah, that is that is definitely something. If you're going to talk about matches like that, you should probably be educated on that front. Yeah, it's like Germany versus France. There's no history. No, there, right? not at all. There's Absolutely none. not. No, no. Mm -mm. 
Uh, yeah, what a mess. What a mess. Guys, stay educated if you're going to talk publicly. Now watch John and I mess up on something here in just a minute or two. Uh, next up, we're talking speculation. So again, not fully educated, just as we gave that disclaimer. Um, there's a lot of news this past week, or this week rather, about Xbox and their strategy moving forward. For the last couple weeks, there have been leaks and rumors about a few games possibly going to other platforms like PlayStation with the PlayStation 5 and the Nintendo Switch. Uh, mainly Hi-Fi Rush, an award winner from this past year from Tango Gameworks, and Sea of Thieves, a nice multiplayer game that has had millions upon millions of players come through it, but it's not pulling in a ton of new players at this point, and they're trying to find maybe a new audience for it, porting it to a few other systems. Okay, I personally have no issue with Hi-Fi Rush or Sea of Thieves going to other platforms. I think... Personally, I would launch every live service multiplayer game on every platform, regardless of who developed it. Uh, I think when you're looking at a market where your stuff is tailored around trying to get online microtransactions over the course of the life of a game, and it's a multiplayer game where you want healthy player populations, it just makes sense to put it everywhere. So I have no issue at all with Sea of Thieves going to any other platform. Hi-Fi Rush. I could see how people could have a little bit more issues with this one, but it's an award-winning game. It's a fun experience. It's still kind of niche. It's not something everyone's going to dive into. It's not a big AAA game, and I think it deserves to be played by more players, and I do not have an issue with it going to PlayStation, with it going to Switch, with it going to Sega Genesis if they want to put it on there. Um, I, I just I think these two games, there are not that many issues. It did start lighting people up. People started getting a little defensive with these two games, uh, kind of leaving their gate-kept market of the Xbox console and PC. Again, PC's giant. You can play PC stuff everywhere, and there's cloud. So is it really leaving too far? Probably not. Um, but overall, this kind of started to get people going. Then this week, John, it has escalated. We got a rumor of Starfield going to PlayStation from Xbox era. Then Indiana Jones going to PlayStation 5 from The Verge. Then Halo and Gears from God knows who came up with that rumor of going to these other platforms as well. Uh, now, again, these are rumors. These are not facts. Uh, they have come from self-proclaimed insiders. Now, again, I'm not going to say these are not true. It's very possible we see Starfield, Indiana Jones, Halo, Gears go to another platform. Um, but as of right now, we cannot confirm that that is happening. Uh, nor do I feel like some of these are probable titles to go to other platforms either. So then from there, everything on Twitter and threads and all these social media platforms descended into Xbox is going third party and dropping their console entirely. John, I ask you, do you think this is the case? <laughs> no, but from a marketing standpoint, um, if look, so here's the thing. For gamers, these games going third party is a win, right? Um, if you've if you own a PlayStation and you've ever been like, damn, I really want to play Starfield, or damn, I really want to play Sea of Thieves, or damn, Hi-Fi Rush do look kind of good. Uh, th then you're happy because obviously you, you want to play the game, right? It makes sense to want to play the game. Now, th the issue is, is Xbox fans really don't have a leg to stand on then, right? Like it, it, Sony became powerful because of console exclusives, right? Um, they took down Sega Genesis. They took down... Uh, the Dreamcast, even if that was a competition. <laughs> they took down a lot of the major, major consoles back in the 80s and 90s to really gain the foothold that they have because of console exclusives. My favorite game of all time, Metal Gear Solid, is a PlayStation exclusive. That game was not available on any <laughs> other platform. 
Nintendo has made billions and billions of dollars for console-exclusive games. Yes, they have Mario, but console-exclusive games. Yes, there's some crossover there. I'm not, and, and I don't think anyone's going to say some crossover is not a is isn't bad. But you you have to keep the major titles at home because you have to give people a reason to buy your console. You can't just say the user interface is better. You can't just say the overall experience on an Xbox is better. Um, at the end of the day, if if you're going to sit here and tell me, and again, this is this is speculation, but like this is kind of like where people's minds are going. You know, Joey, a lot of times, like, we talk about Sony games on here, and we're like, oh, it's going to be available on PC in six months. I'll wait another six months to play the PC version because we have, we're lucky enough to have a gaming computer. We can do that. Um, but if you own a, an Xbox, you don't have that luxury if you don't have a gaming PC to go along with it. So we kind of fall outside the spectrum on this one, but if, if you're a, a PlayStation, but if you're an Xbox fan, and you're saying, hey, look, all these exclusive Xbox games are going to be available six months, 12 months later on Sony, PlayStation. Why not just get a PlayStation? That way you get your exclusive Sony games. And then when you're done playing those in 12 months, Starfield launches, Hi-Fi Rush launches, and you can play those games on your PlayStation. Yes, as a gamer, that makes you feel good. As Sony, you're loving that also because you don't even have to try to lure people away from Xbox now. The, the North American market, which is very competitive uh, in, in the console market, would, I think, would not overnight, but strongly swing back in favor of PlayStation quite a bit. Uh, I, to me, it, the fact that we're not really getting an announcement from Microsoft to clear any of these rumors up until, like, you know, they're weighing, they're doing their due diligence, they're making sure they're phrasing everything properly. But at, at the end of the day, like, what they think they're doing, they think they're doing the right thing, giving gamers what they want. They're expanding their games into other markets, into other consoles, if you will, to increase the income. And that's fine. That's great. Microsoft has always operated at a loss for their gaming console. So I can understand why they want money. It makes sense to want to go to Sony. There's a ton of Sony players out there or PlayStation owners out there. It makes sense. But you do it at the cost of your loyal Xbox fan base that for the longest time, PlayStation versus Xbox in online services for multiplayer Xbox hands down. Sony had a lot of lag issues. Sony had a lot of network issues. They still have issues. I still think the Xbox online uh, the online um, experience is better than Sony. I may be in, in the minority in that, but that's something I'm willing to admit. I think that's factual. Yeah. So, you know, that's not going to be enough to sell consoles, though. And, Joey, you, you made a tweet also uh, when this news started to break out also. If Microsoft does this, and let's say it goes to the ultimate extreme of the Xbox console no longer being relevant or in existence, what's going to prevent Sony from pricing the next generation console at $800? It was the Series X and S that made Sony drop the PlayStation 5 $100. That's the thing. Competition drives competitive pricing. It drives competitive development. It drives competitive 
hardware, everything becomes a competition of who can do it better at a cost that consumers will still consume their product at. And that's what Xbox has been doing for years, since day one, since the original Xbox with that ugly, ugly controller, the Duke. Um, the, it was a horrible controller, but it was a talking point. It was a marketing point. People either loved it or they hated it. There's no middle ground for it. If you, get, if you go full third party, there's no point in having Xbox. There really isn't. Just become Microsoft Game Studios, become the initiative, and just pump out games. There's no reason to have it. Put it on, 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 you know, make a PC version of the game and pump it out to all other platforms. The Xbox does not make sense unless you have console exclusive games like Sony does, like Nintendo does, like every other platformer has. Console exclusive games drives sales. That's what held me personally as a consumer myself, held me back from buying a, an Xbox for so long was the Sony console exclusives. I did not want to lose access to Spider-Man. I did not want to lose access to God of War. I didn't want to lose access to any of those games. That's why it took me so long. But at the end of the day, Game Pass was such a great deal. It made me jump. You're going to tell me I can get Game Pass on a PlayStation 5? Joey, I'm going to be fully honest. I'm going back mm-hmm. in a heartbeat. Oh, I think a lot of people would. In a would. heartbeat. Not even thinking twice. And that's, that's the problem. That's the big problem. So let me ask you, again, just speculation, guys. We don't 100% know what's going on. We've heard whispers here and there, but no one really knows. So if Xbox does put their games on PlayStation, does put their games maybe on Nintendo as well, is this an attractive enough offer to give you a reason to buy a console, even if it's maybe not the Series X, but a Series S version, a lower version? Game Pass Day 1 versus $70 for each game over on that competing console. Console launch exclusivity. So I think this would be a window of maybe six months to 12 months, somewhere in there, where Xbox players would get the game first on their console before PlayStation players. And then you have the services, which are better on Xbox as of right now, uh, in most people's opinions. Is that enough to even sell a lower-end box? The fact that you're saving $70 per game to some degree, right? You're still paying a subscription price, um, but then you also get them six to 12 months earlier. So, so here's what I'm thinking. As gamers, we have been trained over the past five years to accept delays, Mm -hmm. to to accept games being pushed back. You tell me I have to wait six months for a game I really, really want to play? I'll wait six months. Heck, I'll pay full price for it. I don't care. If I really want to play the game, I'm going to play the game. I will pay full price for it. Do I think Game Pass is a great selling point for Xbox? I do. But if you're going to offer that on, on other consoles... Cool, great. I'll wait another six months. I'll pay six months worth of Xbox game subscription on my PlayStation 5 and play it whenever you release it on Sony PlayStation. Six months, 12 months, heck, two years. It doesn't bother me. I'll go back and play it. It doesn't bother me one bit. I mean, heck, I played the original Spider-Man game on PlayStation 4. I didn't even touch Miles Morales because I jumped to Xbox. Then I went back two years after Miles Morales was released and played it and had zero problem doing that. Now, again, that's just me. I can't speak for the whole gaming community. But at the end of the day, that wasn't a problem for me. Like, it didn't bother me. The games I want to play right now, if you charge me 50 bucks, great. You charge me 60 bucks, okay. You charge me 70 bucks, I'm going to grit my teeth and say this better be more than three hours of gameplay, but I'm probably still going to you know, pay full cost for it. 
Um, and, and, and that's the thing, right? Is is we as gamers, as consumers, have that right to make that choice. If we're gonna be on, if we're gonna make the move back to PlayStation and have to wait six, 12 months for an Xbox game to be released to pay full price, that's fine. Because I guarantee you right now, it's the big title games that are going to be coming over. Or let's say they go with the extreme route and they put Xbox Game Pass on Sony PlayStation also. Cool. I'm paying for the same subscription. I get the access to the exact same li- library or maybe slightly different based upon licensing deals on the Sony PlayStation. And then I have to wait 6 to 12 months after it launches on Xbox before it comes to Sony to play the same game under the same subscription pass. Cool. I'll wait 6 to 12 months. Doesn't bother me one bit. That, that's the big issue is if, if you're going to put the bigger games on a delay to Sony, that's one thing. If you put Game Pass on other consoles, you're really losing the battle. Yeah, and I don't see Game Pass going to other consoles. They've tried that. Sony's denied it multiple times. Uh, Sony's had a tough enough time getting people to subscribe for their PS Plus higher tiers. I don't think they're willing to split that even more with something like a Game Pass unless they get a really deal, a really big deal higher than that 30% cut that they currently take on games. Uh, with that being said, uh, I do think we're eventually going to see some games go over there, right? Uh, I think Sea of Thieves makes sense. I think Hi-Fi Rush makes sense. <clears throat> I could see Starfield since they initially had a build going for Starfield. Now, I think where Microsoft, they have a lot of questions to answer next week um, when they do have this business update. Uh, but one of the big ones is... Are we going to put any games over? And if we are going to put any games, what kind of criteria are we going off of? Are we saying all Activision games? Are we saying all Bethesda games? Are we saying all multiplayer games? Are we saying any game that didn't hit a sales margin can be made up by going over there? Uh, It just feels like right now it's been a little pick and choose. Like we've seen Ori go to Nintendo Switch. We've obviously seen some bigger games like Minecraft go over to PlayStation. That one just makes a lot of sense in my opinion. Um, But some of these other games, I think on the single player side especially, again, I would even put Halo multiplayer over there. I have no issue with that. Um, I think the single player experiences are where they're going to have some big decisions to make. The Starfields, the Indiana Joneses, all these games that could potentially draw players in, Blade from Marvel, um, what those licenses look like, and how much Microsoft is willing to maybe take a loss on those to keep those exclusive to their ecosystem. Now, again, all Xbox games are available on PC. Uh, I think come as early as next year, all PlayStation games will probably be day one on PC as well. Uh, They've continued to escalate up that timeline. So eventually everything's going to be available on PC. And if you're buying one thing, a PC is the thing to buy and the thing to invest the most in, in my opinion. With that being said, console gaming is still fun, especially hooking up to a TV. It's much easier than a PC at this point. Um, I do think they need a kicker reason for people to stay in the ecosystem. And I do think the affordability of Game Pass paired up with something like a Series S price console is very attractive for families especially. But someone like John, someone who is a young adult, a young professional that is willing to spend a little bit of money on a console, who's going to pick or what is he going to pick in that sense? I think you lean toward the PlayStation. If they're going to get Xbox games on a delay, like John was saying, you can fill those gaps with those big PlayStation heavy hitting titles, the God of Wars, the Horizon Zero Dawns, and then play the Xbox games when they come on over. This is a day and age where there's friggin' games upon games upon games to play. John, I don't know about you, but I looked at my backlog and it was like over a hundred games. Like, I freaking can't keep up with this. I don't care when the next game gets released because I have way too much to play already. And I think that's what people are feeling, especially if you're a Game Pass subscriber, if you're a PlayStation Plus subscriber, uh, Ubisoft Connect or whatever it may be. 
there's just so many games out there right now. So I don't think that delay is enough. Yes, you lose the news cycle in social media and everyone's talking about the potential new game plus of Starfield and you have to miss out for a year. Um, but there is that time where you do have other things to play and you're not really having a ton of things where your time is just sitting there. You have competition already for it. So I do feel like if that ends up happening, we see a big exodus of players from Xbox consoles to PlayStation. And I, I think the biggest fear with that is the loss of competition. And you started hitting on it a little bit. We saw the Series X and Series S lower the price of the PlayStation 5. Now, publicly, not a ton of people know this unless you read journalist articles or talk to people at PlayStation. The original price of that was supposed to be $100 or more higher than what they did end up pricing that PlayStation 5 at. Additionally, backwards compatibility. PlayStation would not probably have backwards compatibility without Xbox. Uh, that was one of the big pushes for them. Uh, the trophy system. You know what inspired that? The Xbox Achievement System. Xbox Live inspired online gameplay for consoles. Uh, I mean, there's just so many different things that competition has bred, and that's just the Xbox side, not to mention all the stuff Nintendo and Sony have done as well. Competition is very good for all of them. And I think that is the thing that I fear the most. Not necessarily saying, oh, darn, I have to move to PlayStation. That's fine. Uh, it is. It sucks for people with huge digital libraries. That is definitely a big bummer if that does end up being the case. And again, I do not think this is going to be the case. Um, but in that extreme that it could be the case, uh, I think then you eventually see, like John said, PlayStation raising that console price, PlayStation raising their game price. They're already talking about $80 games. They've started talking about $90 games. I think it becomes a lot easier if you lose your main high-performance competition in the console market. Uh, and on top of that, why do I need to give as much back to the players? At that point, I can easily release more games that are maybe not fully complete. Maybe I can cut back on how many games I release. Maybe I can cut my development studios and say, you guys only need a God of War every five years because Xbox isn't putting out a Fable or a Halo or a Gears of War. I think that is the biggest fear on the console side. There's a lot of money to be made in video games, but in a year where we're seeing tons of layoffs and seeing raising costs on all of these AAA games, if you cut out your main competitor, Sony becomes much more... I would say cocky to some degree, uh, and also much more comfortable. They don't really need to push the limits as much as we've seen both Sony and Microsoft push the limits currently because of that level of competition. When that console goes away, all that competition starts to sink away as well. Yeah, you know, and you mentioned something also in there too, like when it comes down to just the the, the pricing of these consoles and making a decision on whether you know. You know, if Xbox was to do this stuff, if Microsoft was to go this direction, you know, would the Series S still be attractive to families? And I think that that opens up a whole different other can of worms because if you're talking about what's attractive to families, I'm thinking Nintendo, mm. yeah, like in a, in a heartbeat. Like for for two ninety nine, you can get a Nintendo Switch that hooks up to your TV. You get two Joy Cons. There's two controllers, which is already one more controller that comes with a Switch than it does with an Xbox. Mm -hmm. And a Joy-Con controller is not that expensive. In comparison to an Xbox controller, which is $60, $70, just for a normal controller, uh, Joy-Cons are like, what, 40 30 40 50 bucks maybe? It's cheaper than an Xbox controller. So if you're a young family with kids... And you're thinking, okay, you know, maybe we can stay in the Xbox ecosystem, but have something that's like family oriented. Same price, I get a Switch, and the prices on that are probably going to drop once the Switch Two or whatever they're going to call that is is announced here, coming up in a couple weeks from Nintendo. Um, you know, and and that's going to be a whole another other can of worms. Is like if Xbox goes this direction and removes the competitiveness with Sony, 
and then goes, hey, we can still go for the families with kids. Then you're going up against Nintendo, and you think Sony was difficult to go up against? Look at it. Nintendo's a completely different juggernaut. And I, I think I think that's just a spiral that continues to get more and more out of control to the point where I could honestly see Microsoft just becoming a game developer going forward if if all of this was to happen. So I, I think now, just to kind of slowly move our way out of this topic, because I feel like we could talk about an hour on it and all the possible yes. implications, <laughs> um, looking forward to the future, I do think we're going to get kind of a hybrid of what we've heard. Um, I would not be surprised if they make the decision to put almost every Activision game and almost every Bethesda game on every platform. That would not personally surprise me. And then I think maybe some multiplayer games from the Xbox studio side of things. Now, again, that still leaves 23 studios also developing single player games. Plus, all your new acquisitions are typically going to go into that Xbox studios umbrella as well. Now, if you do this, one, it opens up a lot with regulatory issues because you're saying, hey, I followed through on keeping these things third party. Not only did I give PlayStation Call of Duty, I also gave them all these other games so I can go out there and buy another publisher like an Ubisoft potentially. Now, I still think something that big would get blocked, but it does open them up for a lot more, at least single studio development, if not more than that. Um, I think that is one plus of it potentially for the Microsoft side of things. Two, the rising costs. I mean, we've seen Sony lose money on games as big as Horizon Zero Dawn and Horizon Forbidden West. That is insanity to me, that they're losing money on some of these big games. I'm pretty sure it was Horizon. Don't 100% quote me on that. Uh, but there were definitely some big AAA games that Sony has been losing money on. And it's wild to think about. So they are also having to come up with new strategies. They've now pushed to PC. They're not really seeing great sales on PC, but they're going to continue to push into that market. They're going to probably try to utilize it and put a PlayStation storefront out there as well. Maybe eventually we see them launch some games on an Xbox, on a Nintendo. I think they're going to be more hesitant to do that since they are a huge leader in the console market compared to Microsoft. Um, but with that being said, I think they're going to have to find some new horizons for their launches as well just to make up some of this money. So again, I don't know if it's going to be every game from Activision, every game from Bethesda. It might not be any at all. It might be all of them. Um, but I do think if we're going to see more games go over, those are going to be the two umbrellas we've seen it from since they're used to publishing on other platforms already. Any other thoughts on that front? No. <laughs> I have no idea what's happening, by the way, guys. No idea. No one does. Uh, yeah, it's all speculation for the most part. From I will tell you guys the little bit I have heard. I have heard that things are not fully decided up top. Um, that was a few days ago. So I think there are still some conversations as far as Xbox leadership and Microsoft leadership on what exactly it should look like. And part of that is because they've always given us the, this will be a case-by-case -case basis. Uh, and it feels like they are now being pushed by fans, and rightfully so. I really think they should have done this before, but to give clear criteria of what is actually going to other platforms, what should we expect from the Microsoft Xbox brand? And I don't think they've been clear enough. They've kind of done their corpo business speak of, oh, we'll take it game by game and see what happens and see what the sales look like and see what the marketing looks like. And it's like, you guys are in control of all these IP and games. You guys just need to be clear what your mission is. If it doesn't work for a year, then tell us how you're going to change it and tell us how you're going to adjust. And I feel like that is one thing that they have not done a ton of. But I think there's also added pressure, John, right? They just spent $8 billion acquiring Bethesda a couple years ago. Then they spent almost $80 billion acquiring Activision Blizzard. So now we're sitting here with almost $90 billion spent in game publisher acquisitions. These publishers 
a lot of that wealth had come from publishing on multiple platforms. So now you're trying to find ways to make up that money. And from the Microsoft business perspective, I could see while they might have to be looking at publishing other places because we haven't really seen that return in a big console jump for Xbox consoles. Um, yeah, it's tough. I mean, we don't have all the metrics. We don't have all the numbers, but I do think some kind of strategy has to change. But as we're saying, there's a thin line of how you change that strategy if you do want to keep your console alive and if you don't want to see the video game console market die in general. And this is the kind of the weird thing, right, is is how Xbox and Microsoft are kind of tiptoeing around this whole thing. They've been very upfront. They've been very transparent over the past four or five years. I mean, I think that's one thing I think a lot of people can give Microsoft a lot of credit for and that a lot of developers and other major studios even started doing was being more transparent, speaking clear, speaking in plain language that's not legalese or, 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 or businessese or anything else. But, but they were speaking to the consumer. They were saying, hey, look, this is what we're doing. This is our plan. This is what we want to do, and this is how it's going to benefit you. Like, trust us. And for the past four or five years, we've had no reason not to trust them. We've had no reason not to be like, oh, you're just another large corporation trying to screw over the consumer. And then all of this stuff happens – and I, I, I think the biggest thing that happens here is I think the biggest issue you're going to have isn't the potential death of a console, but the potential public relations nightmare that is nobody trusting Microsoft going forward. Um, and, and look, gaming is, is one of the largest entertainment platforms in the world it, it is right up there with hollywood it is right up there with movies tv shows if not surpassing all of them combined it's a billion huge huge amounts of billions of dollars industry a lot of people across all generations play video games buy consoles buy expansions buy accessories i would argue people probably buy more accessories for a console than they do upgrading their computer or anything else in their house because they want to be able to play the latest games. They want to be able to have the latest, you know, whatever on their console or on their TV or whatever. You know, and that's goes back to even seeing the shift of these gaming consoles go from gaming consoles to multimedia consoles with apps with YouTube and Netflix and Paramount and Peacock and all these other apps on there. It's not just a gaming system anymore. It's a household entertainment center it is your cable box if you will if you stream hulu tv or youtube tv or whatever it's become a large part of the at least here in the u.s the american household and really around the world it's become a part of the entertainment center of their household also so that's the thing is you lose that trust you lose that image that Microsoft has had that goes all the way back to Bill Gates and, and Windows XP and even before that, Windows 93 or whatever we're going to call it, Microsoft has spent decades building up this public image that now after five years of people really giving them a lot of trust, especially during the pandemic, now all of a sudden they're going for the dollar at the expense of the consumer of their ecosystem that they spent 20 years building, that's hard to come back from. I mean, that, I, I think, I don't think it would be a massive revolt where people are like, oh, I'm not buying a computer and putting Windows on it anymore. <laughs> um, but I, I do think there would be some sort of, of major backlash to Microsoft as a whole 
let alone a massive, massive hit on their stock as well. So I do want to say their stock has been going up quite a bit during all of this. And I think, again, it comes on that return on investment, right? From a business perspective, yeah. you had all these people who published on different platforms. That's how they got their giant income. How do you work with that operating profit now? Uh, so I think that investors are very happy with the idea of these things going to other games. I don't think they're as invested if the Xbox console were to stay around. They just want Microsoft to make money, and there is definitely money to be made publishing in other places. Now, again, whether you agree with that or not is to be determined. Um, but one other thing, John, and I do want to say this because uh, this is something that comes up pretty often, is we see all these outrages on social media, especially on Twitter slash X nowadays. Typically, what we see on there does not represent the general public and the way it plays out. Uh, we've seen Correct. it with Call of Duty recently. Call of Duty, ah, we all hate Call of Duty. It's terrible, short campaign. No one's going to buy this game, trash it, whatever. And then it ends up being like the first or second highest selling game throughout the year as well. Um, so it's just one of those things where it is a very, very, very small sample size that we are looking at here as well of this outrage, of this anger. The basic person, half of them don't even know that Xbox went out and bought Activision Blizzard. That has still not made it around the general gaming circle yet. So I think that's one of the things that until we see kind of that Xbox branding out there, people are not even going to realize some of this stuff. Um, I do think we have a small sample of angry people, and I do think some of that could perforate into other areas as we see Xbox games potentially coming to PlayStation or Nintendo later on in the future. Um, again, we're going to have to wait for that business meeting, and I see you pulled up that tweet here. Um, Phil Spencer, we're listening and we hear you. We've been planning a business update event for next week where we will look forward to sharing more details with you about our vision for the future of Xbox. Stay tuned. Uh, John, one thing that makes me a little nervous with this tweet, one, it took a little too long to come out, in my opinion. Uh, things yes. seethed for like a good day and a half at least before this came out. Uh, the other thing that concerns me is the fact that he said planning a business update event. Um, so one, not only did they not come out and take care of some of these claims up front and say, no, these things are not happening, which does leave things open-ended and allows for more of that speculation. But two, they went right into the business front, not in, we're going to have an Xbox update event. We're going to have a business update event. Um, so I think that does open up some doors for maybe us to see a little bit more of this Microsoft gaming side of things, as opposed to just that Xbox gaming side of things moving forward. Uh, again, speculation. I don't want to say go out there and sell your Xbox console. I don't want to say be nervous about your digital library disappearing like those poor people at Funimation. Um, it's just it's one of those things that we really don't know the future as of right now. I'm hopeful that they do keep their head on their shoulders and keep some major exclusives on the platform and give you more and more reason outside of just Game Pass to buy an Xbox console. Um, but as of right now, there's a lot of money to be made on PlayStation, especially over in Asia, uh, where they outnumber those Xbox users by quite a bit at the moment. Um, and there's a lot of money to be made on Nintendo for the same similar reasons. And I think Microsoft is going to have to play a fine game of bending the scales to their needs of making that money to cover those operating costs to keep the regulators happy and to go out there and keep their players happy. So there is a three or four plate scale that they're trying to balance here with everything. On top of that, the investors on that other plate as well. So a lot of tough things. I'm glad I'm not the one making these top level decisions that could very much impact not only your brand, but the video game console industry as a whole. Uh, but it is definitely a very, very big week. So if you're playing on Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo, PC, Sega Genesis, you're definitely going to want to tune into this business update because even if it doesn't necessarily mean games are coming to your platform, it does probably mean your platform will stay at a reduced cost moving forward. So it's going to impact everyone regardless in some way or another. I just like how this tweet from Phil 
clearly taking the leather jacket off and exchanging it for a suit and tie. Yeah, it's very business. Uh, the the verbiage in this, I'm not going to lie, did not make me feel very good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this doesn't even feel like something Phil would write. I feel like this was no. someone it was a PR giving team. a PR team statement. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 100%. Okay, guys. So you can guarantee we'll be covering more of that drama on next week's show. Hopefully next Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern time. But for now, let's just run through a couple more of these topics. Cross-platform ranked play is coming to Killer Instinct tomorrow. If you're a fighting game fan in the fighting game community, you can check that out. It kicks off February 9th for those listening a little bit later down the road. Again, it'll be cross-play between Xbox platform with Windows Store and Steam on PC. Over to the PC side of things, let's talk Epic Game Store. John, we have some free games this week. Loot Castle, normally $9.99, discounted to a good old $0 price point, and Doki Doki <laughs> Literature Club Plus, Normally $14.99. You are really enjoying yourself over there. Uh, that one also <laughs> discounted all the way down to zero. So both those games free for the next seven days, depending on when you listen to this podcast. Hopefully before the deadline, go pick those up uh, if you're interested. Good old Doki Doki, the unexpected horror game. Uh, do you know what the plus version is? I'm very, really curious I, what that is. I don't want to know. I, I don't want to know. I am very I'm probably going to play it. I'm probably going to play it again, but no, I, I don't want to know. Yeah, it definitely, it is a... Uh, let's call it an adult game, a mature game per se. Mm. There are some mature themes in there. Um, it is a unique one for sure. Definitely some very interesting aspects that that game is able to tap into. And I do not know what the plus version brings. So could be some even more surprise bonuses in that one as well. Okay, multi-platform gaming news. John, I'm just going to run through these projections and then you can talk a little bit about them if you want to. Quarterly earnings reports. We talked about them last week. And again, not a fun topic, but we got to talk about it. Square Enix, minus 2.6% cumulative sales on digital, minus 20.7% cumulative profits. MMO and mobile game revenue both decreased as well. Uh, Square Enix continuing not to do super well. In the past, they've blamed their developers. Obviously not a great solution there. This time, the CEO takes some responsibility for it, saying the company plans to overhaul its game development process with an intent to announce their new structure by the spring. I like this new CEO already. He's making moves to not only make these exclusive deals with PlayStation like Square Enix has done in the past, a lot to no avail, and is now continuing to look at maybe publishing more games on Xbox, more games on PC, more games on Nintendo. And I think that's just the way to go. If you're a publisher, especially a third party, you want your game everywhere to make the most possible sales. Yes, exclusive money is nice up front, but when you've missed your margins for it feels like every single quarterly announcement over the last five or six, time to change something up, and it sounds like they're doing that this spring. Take-Two Interactive, minus 3% net sales, minus 130 million operating loss. But it's better than last time. They were minus 173 million last time. So slightly bringing things back in the positive direction, kind of. Uh, Cost reductions are planned here. A lot of people think this means layoffs. I personally still think it means layoffs. um, But Take-Two is saying there's not going to be too many layoffs. It's mostly going to be focused around marketing cuts. Uh, They've also revised and downgraded their guidance for the rest of the fiscal year, mainly saying, hey, we thought we were going to make a lot of money. Now we're not thinking we're going to make quite as much money. Uh, And they've shifted an unnamed FI or fiscal year 24 game out of the fiscal year as well. Looking forward, they have 52 projects in the pipeline. That's what they said the last three months as well. It looks like that will continue through fiscal year 26. And then a little bit of a sidebar here. They have hit back at a lawsuit. John, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this one. Uh, that is arguing that they are stealing from NBA 2K players who buy virtual currency when 2K chooses to shut down the game servers. Um, as someone who's played a fair amount of NBA 2K, do you feel like the company is stealing from you when a game servers are shut down? 
they're doing nothing different than what EA does on a yearly basis. It's a sports game. If you're choosing to, if you are choosing to sink extra money into a game, and i.e. microtransactions, especially in a game that is released on a yearly basis, that a large, large part, probably 95% or more of the player base is going to jump to on a yearly basis. If you choose to sink extra money into that game, you can't argue. I mean, that's that's dumb. And I think uh, Take-Two ha- has a, a really strong argument. EA does it. Um, Sony Santa Monica does it with MLB uh, The Show. It is what it is. It's the cost of playing Ultimate Team on a sports game or sinking money uh, into making your uh, my player a better player uh, to compete in the park or online or whatever. Instead of just grinding it out like you can do free just for purchasing the game, you can play and earn those stats. It may take longer, yes, but there is that cheat code where you can pay money to get there faster you can't complain. That's just part of sports games, period, end of story. It's not a cosmetic. It's not, you know, it, it is what it is. Like, that is the, the the downfall to every sport game. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is, like, these games, the servers don't shut down immediately. So we're talking, no. like, uh, they got to be playing, like, 2K09, 2K12. Mm-hmm. Like, we're talking a game that's 20 years old. Like, maybe you feel that nostalgia and you want to dive in and you want to play as Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal back in the day on the Lakers. But it's just, these are much older games. These are much weaker graphics. These are something that probably not too many people are diving back into. And if you are, you're not going to be able to play multiplayer because there's no one else on the servers. So uh, Matchmaking takes five hours. Yeah, I mean, if anything is a crime in Take-Two's games, it's the price of their currency. The price is friggin' yes. outrageous. I did not know I had to sell my kidney and half of my firstborn child to buy currency in this game. Half of your firstborn? Just half. They're not going for full yet. I think that's the next 2K game. Um, But overall, it's just the prices are wild. Do I think they owe the players anything when they shut down the servers? God knows what, a decade or so later? Probably not. Uh, I don't see this case going very far. No, this this is a stupid case. Uh, last but not least, in the earnings reports, we have Katakawa, uh, mostly known for anime stuff, but they do also own Elden Ring developer from software. Uh, they have acquired Octopath Traveler Studio Acquire. I think it's a great acquisition. Uh, very much falls into kind of that animated anime style that a lot of their other content does, and it's different enough from from software in a very different way uh, that it should add a nice plethora of variety into their portfolio that is continuing to grow as well. Over to John's topic, Ubisoft CEO, our boy Guillaumont. I don't have it in front of me, but it's something like that, if I remember correctly. Uh, French guy. He has defended Skull and Bones, the good old pirate game that has been delayed, God knows what, seven, eight, nine times at this point. It feels like over its seven-plus-year span of being in development. They have set it with a $70 price tag because it's been in development for so long, John. This game has got to land extremely well. It's got to be worth I'm surprised it didn't price it at $100 with how many years of development behind this thing. Uh, and it's a live service game. So not only is it going to be nice and pricey with this many years of development and studio hell behind it, um, but it is going to have a price tag and live service aspect. So it will not be a full game potentially at launch as there will be new things added here and there for the player. Um, but on top of that, not only is the price tag crazy, 
Not only is the development of this game crazy in general, um, but our boy, the CEO of Ubisoft, has come out and called it a quadruple A game, defending the price tag because of that. So you're getting live service, you're paying $70 for it, and you're getting this quadra A game that is probably not going to do super well at launch, if I had to guess correctly. Oh, I gotta try to keep this short. Uh, Joey, how many open and closed betas has Skull and Bones had? Way too many. Over their, over their seven-plus-year delay. Um, and it's broken. The, the game is broken. They cannot fix the game. Uh, that's the reason why Starfield took 10-plus years. That's the reason why it took Blizzard 10-plus years to create Overwatch. It was a failed game that they took the assets from uh, of, and made it into Overwatch. It takes time to create a game, and, and I think we as gamers, we understand that. But do not sit here and say this is going to be a full game on launch, and then seven years later, you know, seven delays later, I should say, now you're going to call it a live service game. You're hiding behind the guys that is, oh, we understand this game's broken, but we don't want to keep it in development hell any longer. So we're going to say it's live service. We're going to be giving you content as the time goes on with this game being released when in reality they're like they're taking your money to fund them to fix their broken game in the form of content patches no it's 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 bogus and i'm gonna say this right now if you are a listener of level up live and you purchase this game you have zero Zero reason to complain in real life, on social media, anywhere that this game is broken, that it does not work, that the mechanics are terrible, everything is garbage, it doesn't work on your system, nothing works, it's broken, it's it's Cyberpunk 2.0, it's No Man's Sky 5.0, it's every single broken game that we've gotten in the past 10 years times infinity, you have no right to complain because you've been educated by these morons on Level Up Live <laughs> that this is exactly what they're doing. They want you to pay full price for this game so you can fund their bad habits at developing a broken game and hide it behind the guise of a live service game to get the funding that they mishandled in over seven delays over umpteen bajillion years because they just don't know how to fix that one freaking bug that loads the damn game. Um, you have zero room to complain, and we as gamers need to start holding these people accountable. <laughs> a live service game doesn't mean you can ship a broken product. A live service game means you have a product that you're going to continue to add content to to extend the story, to extend players sticking with your game instead of going into their backlog. Like, I don't know, World of Warcraft. They do a great job with that. Right now, everyone can't stop talking about this this mystery patch that no one knows what it's going to be because it's not going to be on PTR. They're just throwing it out there to the public to discover live on the live servers. That's getting the community talking. Imagine if, if Blizzard was to go, you know what? We know Dragonflight's broken. We know most of the quests aren't playable. Dragon riding, hell, if your character can even get on the damn dragon, go for it. And then they were to say, hey, in patch 10.2.5, which is towards the end of the life cycle of the, of the series, of, of the story, go, you know what? Uh, in this, we are 
We are taking dragon riding to the next level. You're going to get all these other amazing things here and there. It's going to be great. But then you go back in the patch notes and read, oh, this was actually supposed to be there from day one. Cool. Congrats. You're getting old content that's being, that's being masqueraded as new content. That's live service, right? That's not live service. Live service is actually putting out content, extending the story, extending the content, extending what's already been built upon going forward. Don't sit here and say it's live content because your game sucks. Don't sit here and say it's live content because it's been on its seventh and eighth delay and you don't want to go into double digits for the delays of your game because your team just can't figure it out. Cancel the damn game or just keep it and develop it to a point where it's at least, I don't know, 80% ready to go and then go from there. But don't put out a broken game, charge full price, and then act like you're doing everyone a favor with a live service game. It's BS. It's wrong. We as gamers fall for it every single freaking time a developer does this. So again, if you listen to this and you're aware of what's going on and you buy this game, do not at this show, do not at OTN Media, do not at Courtside King, do not at Fiasco, do not come crawling to us complaining about how bad this game is because you wasted $70 on a broken game under the guise of live service. I, I don't want to hear it. I will block you. I will mute you. I will get rid of you on social media. I do not care. It's as simple as that. Do not buy this game and then complain. Done. Wow. John feels very strongly about this one. Um, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I will say I didn't play in any of the playtests, but there are definitely some turnoffs. For one, a Sea of Thieves is not a perfect game. There are definitely ways to improve Sea of Thieves. Now, with that being said, I think there are some things Sea of Thieves does very well that Skull and Bones probably should have learned from and watched maybe, I don't know, any stream on Twitch. And they probably could have had some ideas of the things they might have should have included. Now, things may have changed since the last footage I've seen, but... In the other, in previous footage that has been released, the way of boarding someone else's ship was driving your ship next to theirs, and then it turned into a video. That, to me, does not sound like a great pirate experience. Uh, I think some of the fun of games like Sea of Thieves is actually sneaking your way onto the ship. Maybe you shoot yourself from one cannon over. Maybe you slide up and you jump into the water and kind of swim your way over there to a dock ship. Maybe you are on their ship while they're on the island and you decide to emote into a barrel. There are so many interesting, innovative ways of kind of boarding an enemy ship. And the fact that it all plays out in an instant video that, I don't know, maybe there's some randomization or whatever goes on there to decide the winner, I think that sucks. And I think that really loses part of it. Now, another thing is resource gathering. And this one I could go either way on at certain points. I think resource gathering in Sea of Thieves can be very fun with a party and can be very boring as a solo player. Um, the Skull and Bones one, you resource gather from your boat. So you go up to the island, you say what resources you want, and it goes ahead and gathers them and puts it on the boat. And again, I think that takes away part of the role-playing experience. It does make it easier as a solo player and slightly more attractive in certain areas in that sense. But from a co-op perspective, I think that takes out a lot of the fun of kind of going and exploring these islands with friends, uh, exploring the ability to maybe run into a skeleton, maybe find a random chest, maybe find a riddle over here. Uh, you kind of lose a lot of that with some of the automation they put into this game. Now, again, things could have changed. Maybe you are physically boarding now. Maybe you are physically chopping the trees for wood like a survival game. Uh, I think that would be a smarter perspective, but I don't know if those things have changed since the footage we've seen last. So I am uh, I'm skeptical of this quadruple-A game that Ubisoft is trying to sell us here for $70. 
Joey, um, if that's a quad game, quad A game, I got a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you. So. Oh my! A- and an and an elephant in my backyard. <laughs> I mean, there technically is a bridge in Brooklyn, though, isn't there? The yeah, Brooklyn bridge. but I can't sell it yeah, to you, true. sir. That is true. You can't sell that. I do not own the Brooklyn. Bridge. Not yet. Not yet. You don't. But maybe one day, John. Maybe one day. Fifty dollars tolls each way. At the, the decisions that <laughs> Mayor you, is making up there, you never know. He could sell it to you. <laughs> um, we'll keep an eye on that one as we go, though. Uh, next up in the news is Disney. They're investing one point five billion dollars into Epic Games. I don't know Disgusting. what percent this is going to equal out to. Sony has put in a similar investment. It owns about 5%. So I would assume Disney is somewhere in there. Now, again, there's the whole inflation versus recession situation going on here and there over the period of those investment times. So this could be closer to 3%. Um, but I'm going to guess it's somewhere around that 4 to 5% range if I had to assume. We do have a quote here from an article from CNBC. The media giant, in this case Disney, will work with Fortnite Studio to create new games in an entertainment universe where consumers can play, watch, shop, and engage with content, characters, and stories from Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, Avatar, and more. It sounds amazing. I think it sounds like a great experience. Uh, being in Fortnite uh, makes me a little bit more nervous, but Fortnite is huge. Fortnite does extremely well, and from an IP perspective, I think it'll be great. Um, I'm curious how far this goes. Does this just start out and become a Fortnite, whatever the next season, chapter, whatever is, and it's going to be fully Disney? We have a Disney Island, per se. Maybe it replicates the park to some degree. Maybe it replicates the different zones a little bit. Um, I'm not quite sure what to expect fully in this one, but I do think at some point we will see something a little bit more um, next level, per se. Maybe some standalone games. Maybe a standalone game like a Disney Dreamlight Valley where we get to explore more of these different zones and characters and areas um, than we've seen in some of the Disney games in the past. I don't 100% know what's coming. I think if you're going to partner with anyone right now, Epic is definitely a good partner to find, uh, especially with how well Fortnite has done, not only over a short period of time, but continuing to extend that, uh, really the capability of that game and the freshness of that game as they continue to pour new and new content out and bring more players back into the fold if they did eventually leave. Anything else to say about Disney and Epic Games, John, and that potential partnership? I mean, it it makes sense. They they already have some crossover with uh, Fortnite. We've seen Star Wars characters in there. We we've seen Marvel characters in there. Uh, it it makes sense. At the end of the day, it's just it's just disgusting that Fortnite continues to exist. <laughs> it's a big one. It's pulls in crazy numbers. Crazy. <laughs> I mean, not only the numbers of players and stuff, but the freaking numbers and monetary that it brings in. And yeah. Even not being on the Apple Store right now and all of that drama. Uh, they still continue to pour in the big old dollars. Uh, unfortunately, not enough to make the Epic Games Store profitable, but we'll continue that in another no. segment. Uh, last bits, just some little bit of news here to bring up at the end of the show, and then we'll wrap things up. Persona 3 Reload has sold over 1 million copies in its first week. We got a cool little graphic from Atlas West on that one, and it, it makes it the fastest-selling game in publisher Atlas's history. Again, Atlas mostly, at least in recent years, known for their Persona games. Persona 5 Royal doing extremely well as well. Um, Persona 3 Reload, the revamped remake version of Persona 3, now coming out and doing extremely well in its first week with 1 million copies sold. Last but not least, we have Bloomberg's Jason Schreier has announced his third book. This one, Play Nice, The Rise, Fall, and Future of Blizzard Entertainment. Uh, John, I know this one will be right down your alley. I was a huge fan of his other books as well, um, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, and he also did... um, 
I can't think of the most recent one. I did a review for it, though, so I'll have to pull that up. Um, but Jason does a good job of really diving behind the scenes, getting interviews of the developers, getting interviews from people surrounding the developers, uh, maybe family members at home, maybe coworkers who used to work with them, and really diving into studio culture, what it means to work in a game development studio. And in stuff like Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, it is not easy. Uh, I mean, you're diving into these people who are having to work extended hours, who are having to put all this passion into something. Maybe the fans don't react well to it and unfortunately are negative on social media. Maybe there's death threats involved. Maybe a studio is on its last leg and they need to find a way of getting funding and they have to find a publisher to even stay aground. Uh, a lot of this happens in these books, and I think he does a really good job breaking down and explaining a lot of them. Um, his past book was Press Reset. That was the one I did a early review for him on uh, it came right after blood sweat and pixels highly recommend that as well um, both those books phenomenal um, but this one in particular while those ones bounced around from multiple studios this one focusing fully on that 33 year history of blizzard and we know from recent years blizzard has been through a lot um, i am excited and nervous to read this one i feel like uh, there are going to be some tough stories in here especially with all the stuff that came out from blizzard a couple years ago um, i am curious to see how this one does play out when it releases this october october 8th i'm super invested in this mm -hmm. one 100 you hit the nail on the head um if you know an email we can get an early access to this book i'm just saying. i will try yeah i will definitely try i'm just saying because i will joey we've had our 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 book clubs that have failed miserably in the past <laughs> this is a book that i would read like uh, even at work i would tell my boss to go away i'm reading a book and 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 read this book it's as simple as that i would be all over this and tell him to sign it for us too if he if he can do that oh i will try i will try i'm just saying you got the contacts i don't i'm just the pretty face here oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> You are much more than a pretty face, sir. But yes, I will reach out to Jason. I will try to get us in there uh, when he does start doing review copies, probably a little bit closer to October. Um, but overall, yeah, I'm excited. I, I think, again, Jason does a very good job. This is not technically an ad, but I did get a review copy of his last book. So keep that in mind. Hashtag ad if needed. Um, but overall, I think he just does a really good job diving in. And I think one of the things a lot of these books typically lose out on when they look at different industries is those actual quotes from developers. Jason does a really good job of diving down, getting those quotes, getting those true opinions from these developers, what they went through in the moment, what they think may be looking back, depending on when the interview took place. Um, this is also interesting because Microsoft bought Blizzard. Depending on when he wrote this book, maybe we hear about some of those more thoughts from developers get publicized on the idea of Activision possibly selling. Uh, that went on for, I mean, John, what was it? Like almost a full two years, I think, by the time it yeah, ended it up going through? Very long. Like, it was very long. So I'm sure some of that is included over that time. What are people thinking? Are people nervous? Are people excited? Uh, you have all the Blizzard stuff going on at that point as well. You have the idea of Overwatch League maybe not doing so well and owners being angry about it. That could be included. You have the early days of Blizzard and kind of the glory of StarCraft and hopefully eventually the return of StarCraft. Um, I'm very excited to kind of see in what see what Jason brings to the table in this one. Again, guys, really cool cover. John just showed it for those live with us here on Twitch. Um, Play Nice, The Rise, Fall, and Future of Blizzard Entertainment, the 33-year history of Blizzard being described in the book, coming out October 8th. And Joey, a side note here. Um, when I graduated high school, one of my good friends from high school um, his dream was to work with Blizzard. Um, and, and, and he and I, obviously, at that point in time in our lives, massive, massive Blizzard fanboys. He had that classic blue Blizzard shirt, uh, the black shirt with the blue uh, Blizzard logo on it that you know everyone wanted, that it's still sold out on their website even to this day. Um, 
you know, I think he actually got picked up for a small project with Blizzard. I, I, you know, we we lost contact years ago, um, but like that was his dream was to go work for Blizzard. And obviously, you know, as as a high schooler myself, like not having the technical background to to create games, um, but you know, at one point in time, wanting to be a game tester for Blizzard, if you will. Um, it's just, it, it's crazy to see how, you know, time eroded Blizzard, if you will, mm-hmm. and with, with bad decisions and bad leadership and just, you know, the, the, this once, you know, massive uh, gaming company that was pumping out classics and, and just, just ultra-perfect games, it felt like on a year-to-year basis just took an absolute nosedive uh you know in the early 2010s and just started to continue to fall and fall and fall and fall it's 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 crazy and i'm very very intrigued scared is another good mm-hmm. word to use here to read jason's book because i feel like you know with his ability to dive in depth with his contacts and everything else he's going to be able to shine a light on what happened in the last 30 years of blizzard in a way that no one else can really do. Um, and as someone who still considers himself a, a big Blizzard fanboy, like I still love StarCraft. StarCraft is the one of the big reasons I still play video games. Overwatch, when it first came out, I would play 10, 12, 15 matches a night when I got home uh, you know, after college and after work. You know, that's that's what I wanted to play. World of Warcraft is up there. Like they put out great content but something happened um not just what we know from the public you know relations nightmare that they've had and the and the toxic workplace and all that other stuff um but there's there's something that happened in that fabric that blizzard took decades to to weave into blizzard perfection if you will something changed and i think that's what's going to terrify me is that my own image of what blizzard was in the 90s and 2000s and even early 2010s is going to shatter when i read this Mm. book yeah it's definitely it's 100 percent. i think it's gonna be a great read uh looking forward to that one later in this year and i will definitely try to get us some review copies uh so we can talk about it a little bit more on the show as well as with our otn audience over on discord and it's discord.me forward slash otn for those who want to join us and chat as well about games, books, and so much more. Uh, lots of good stuff like Dune coming out next month. Uh, also excited to talk movies on there too. That being said, John, uh, we have gone over our normal limit. We've definitely gone deep yeah. tonight. Uh, there was a lot of that Xbox discussion that feels like it could have gone 90 minutes itself, but we were able to pare it down, fit it with some other topics, and wrap up today's show in a good 90 minutes. Uh, assuming we can get the closing done here in the next couple minutes. So go ahead and start that final song. Oh, Joey, I already had it queued up. I am fading it in. And just like that, Nation, that is going to do it for this week's edition of Level Up Live. But before you go, make sure you follow the show here live on Twitch to catch the next episode of Level Up Live. If you've listened to the show on our podcast feed, please do leave us a review. The Level Up podcast is available on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and your podcatcher of choice. Just look us up, and we are there for you. When we would love to hear from you, let us know your feedback on the show. Let us know your feedback on our community. Let us know 
There's multiple ways for you to reach out to us, Joey. What are some of those ways? Absolutely, guys. Head over to X and Facebook and find us at OTN Media. You can also find us on Insta and Threads at OTN underscore media. Last but not least, hit us up with a follow over here on Twitch. Twitch.tv forward slash OTN Media is this particular channel. You can find this broadcast of Level Up Live, typically Thursdays at around 8 p.m. Eastern time. We try to do some other streams throughout the week as well when time permits. Uh, We have some other streamers outside of just John and I that you guys can check it out on there as well. You don't need to check them out. You just need to see us. It's as simple as that. No, I'm joking. Check them out. Do it. That's homework. All right. Make sure you tune in next week. That is Thursday, February 15th, as we continue to cover the latest and greatest in gaming and esports news. Do your ears and eyes a favor. Hit that sub and follow button to know when the next episode of Level Up Live is ready for your entertainment and pleasures. We'll catch you all next week. Enjoy your weekend. Remember, be nice to your fellow gamers online. And as always, level, level up. up.